SAFM Sports Special. Now, do you remember the A1 Grand Prix? It was uh, one design racing at its very best. Uh, a whole bunch of different teams, national teams, national flag teams at least, uh, fighting it out in one design A1 uh, Formula cars. And uh, there was a world circuit. It went around and about the world, came to South Africa, raced in Durban, a very hot Durban that year. And uh, representing South Africa was one Adrian Zaug, who was um, born in Singapore. He's got uh, Swiss South African parentage, and uh, he's based in Europe at the moment. It was a big disappointment for him when the plug was pulled on A1GP. The team thought they were had a job. They thought things were going to be happening. Bam, it uh, disappeared. But uh, that was quite a difficult thing for um, any person in any job to um, recover from because you've just lost your job and uh, people have hired drivers and uh, seasons and stuff. Now, anyway, Adrian uh, picked himself up. He went to, to um, race in Formula Renault. He did some GP2 racing, also Auto GP. But uh, last year, he got involved with uh, an interesting new um, racing series, the Super Trofeo Lamborghini Series, where he participated in seven races with one win and uh, three podiums as well as three pole positions and four fastest laps. Anyway, that is underway as well this year. It's uh, raced in uh, these identical 570 horsepower Lamborghini four-wheel drive vehicles. Anyway, I spoke to Adrian earlier in the week. Anyway, thank you very much uh, for joining us this afternoon. It's uh, been a while since we caught up with you. I mean, there was quite a lot of excitement about uh, the whole A1 Grand Prix series. You had a pretty, um, you know, good uh, season and a half, uh, let's call it that. Uh, looking back on that, um, are you disappointed that that whole series um, came apart? Well, obviously, due to um, the economic and all things which uh, uh, everyone had to go through in that year. Um, I mean, uh, things like that just just happens, and obviously it's a big shame for everybody that was involved with it. Uh, my disappointment more lays in the people that actually ran the series and uh, that were part, you know, uh, of the, the team and uh, you know the whole organization because uh, we were really uh, held in the dark for a long time. And uh, so it's not nice how things uh, went apart, but obviously nobody really benefited from that. So at the end of the day, it's sad, but I mean, it's the past now, so uh, you have to look ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, it must have been worse for you people being on the inside, but I mean, it was the same for for all of us going, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? And clearly, um, it needs to, people need to be a bit more open about that. You had that disappointment, but then after that, there's a question of, you know, making sure your career moves on because it was a, a fantastic opportunity to race at various circuits uh, around the world. Was it a bit of a knock when, uh, when uh, you know, the, the plug was pulled on that? Oh, definitely. I mean, as I said, especially because everything kind of happened last minute, you know, with uh, a week before the race, which was supposed to be Surface, surface Paradise, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, that time, uh, you know, everything was still a full go. And then, uh, you know, just with the day before I was supposed to, to get my plane off to Australia, they I got the call to say, look, uh, we're not racing there. And then, after that weekend, we can pass, and then uh, they suddenly cancelled the whole championship. So 
it was very late in the year already and obviously it was very hard to just you now try and jump on another train to to get a seat in another series. Uh, I mean, A1GP was a World Cup, so it was a high professional level and, uh, you know, all professional drivers, teams, etc. And, uh, you know, it's aside of F1, it's not many series like that around, you know, where as a driver, you you know, you can actually live a, a, make it a profession. So end of the day, uh, the, the following year in, uh, was quite tough, uh, 2009 season. And, uh, obviously also the years after, but, uh, at the end of the day, I was actually able to get some, some races under my belt, nevertheless. So some in World Series and, uh, then GP2 season in 2010. And, uh, well, and now I'm in GT since, uh, last year and a complete new field for me. And, uh, but I mean, as I said, you know, obviously A1 was sad. Uh, but I mean, it's really, you have to leave it behind. <laughs> it's a shame. It, it's not, it never restarted because there were lots of talks of it getting, uh, you know, restarted. But unfortunately, that never, uh, happened. So, uh, we all have pet orientates new. And, uh, as you maybe saw, there many of us that went into, um, uh, touring cars, the GTs or LMP1 and, uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you you got to do what you've got to do, and uh, I mean, which brings us what to, to what you're doing now. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about the A1 GP uh, series was a the fact that it went um, you know global and it was a national thing, but also you know how closely matched the cars were, and that I guess is uh, what's exciting about uh, the current uh, um, Super Trofeo Lamborghini, which you're um, competing in now, is the the cars are you know identical. Well, that was really the nice thing about A1, you know, because, uh, you know, everyone had the same car. And uh, I think even in terms, especially with the old Lola chassis, you know, I think the cars were basically evenly matched because they had they were running the cars for a couple of years. So you also saw different uh, winners. And, you know, I think more drivers had opportunity to, to show up, uh, you know, what they can do. Whereas in other series that I competed, for instance, like uh, GP2, uh, you know, you really had to be with the top team in the year. If not, you you know, you barely had a chance to invite for, uh, you know, a point finish. And, you know, that was the really nice part of that one, um, you know, that you really had lots of chances, uh, you know, to show what you can do. And uh, coming back to, to the GTs now, uh, that is uh, very similar. It's just, uh, also the same cards for everyone. I also single uh, make championship, so that makes the playing field more even, uh, which obviously I find is a lot better, you know. I mean, not only me, but I think everybody, especially uh, all the drivers, because, uh, you know, you can make a big difference in driving than really with the setup. How did you come to get involved with uh, the Lamborghini series? Well, as things just happened in life, I just got a call, and, uh, you know, they had... Uh, uh, Waken seat and I actually entered, uh, uh, mid-season last year and I went on to pole on my first event. So obviously that secured me uh, the complete season. Well, not obviously, but I mean, I think that impression, uh, gave them a lot to, um, work with, uh, for the end of, uh, until, for the whole season. And then they signed me for, for this year as well. And, uh, so that's kind of how things, uh, unfolded. Tell us about uh, these Gallardo LP570s because uh, four-wheel drive, that 470 horsepower, they must be quite a handful. 
yeah, definitely. And uh, it's actually 570 horsepower, not yeah. 400. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no, no, I do beg <laughs> uh, your pardon, yeah. No, no problem, no problem. No, definitely. And obviously the, the four-wheel drive makes it a very good car under traction, and it's a bit uh, different style required to, to drive it, obviously, off the corners. And then what you use to, especially single-seaters, where it's all uh, rear-wheel drive. Uh, but yeah, it's very exciting. It's a very quick car. And, uh, but for sure, for me also was, even though, uh, I got to grips with it pretty quickly, it was still a handful because obviously when you used to half the weight and, uh, and, but the same power with the former car, a lot more grip, it is, uh, feels more like you're entering, uh, you know, a boat. <laughs> Everything's moving a lot slower in some way. And even for your eyes, you know, you used to, high speeds through corners and things from the former cars. And with this car, you have a similar amount of power, but a lot less grip and a lot downforce. So it's very much more into the mechanical grip, and uh, and which, as I said, required a different driving style. Yeah. The interesting thing, of course, also about this uh, series is it isn't a pure... Um, you know, professional series the way um, other series are. Tell us about the way you split up uh, the driving with an amateur driver. Yes, exactly. That's quite interesting because there are two championship classifications, which are the, the Pro-Ms, that is for drivers as myself that have, have a certain classification that went through a certain uh, level of... Uh, of racing on international uh, basis, like for instance, at the A1 and GP2 and F1 testing. So I would be in the pro class, and then there's a AM amateur class, which would be for drivers with less experience, either up to F3 or even gentleman drivers that don't have much racing background. And uh, then we all race in the same field, but and uh, of the race there is a separate uh, podium ceremony and a separate classification. And the way things worked out for me this year that uh, I'm actually, I entered a championship together with the AM driver, mm. which means uh, we both classified as one. And in the pro class, because obviously I'm, I'm the pro, so it would not be fair if then uh, we would count into the AM class. So what happens then is that uh, at mid of the race, middle of the race uh, you have a pit stop which is mandatory even for the guys that are running by themselves which is also possible and uh, then you just swap swap seats so to say and hand the car over to your teammate and he jumps in and and finish the race or the other way around depending who, who wants to start we're talking to adrian zag who's currently driving a lamborghini gallardo lp 574 in the Super Trofeo series and lying second overall in uh, the professional driver standings. It's quite tight in second place, uh, I see. Cedric Leimer is, uh, you know, quite a few points ahead, but you've still got uh, Franck Rochon and uh, the Nürburgring to go. Um, how difficult uh, would it be to catch him in the, those overall standings? Well, I mean, I have to say also at this point that uh, those guys, they're all pro drivers, and the guys that we actually up against, they're all running on their own, which obviously gives you some benefits, as for instance, there's less risk on losing time at the pit stop, because uh, obviously they don't need to change drivers, they stay in the car. They have a lot more time in free practice, because obviously myself and my team, we always split the free practice, we split the qualifying sessions, so obviously in terms of having the rhythm and just generally less risk 
uh, they're much better off. And also the guy which is leading, he's racing in the series for four or five years. And also the other two guys, one is uh, also from a Formula background and the other one has a big history in GTs as well. So, I mean, that's really difficult. But if you look at the statistics so far, I was on pole uh, from the four qualifiers. I've qualified um, three times on pole and one second. And I had uh, four fastest laps out of six. And I actually let every single stint before handing over the car to my AM driver. So, obviously, on my own, I would say, uh, you know, it's uh, more realistic to compare than now sure. because... Obviously, once my driver, my teammate, gets in the car for him, it's not as easy because obviously he's not yet at that level which the programs are. So the fight against those guys is pretty tough for him. But, I mean, he's doing a really great job. You know, it's the first season for him in this car. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we scored some uh, podiums already, which was really over the expectation we had before the season. So uh, I think it's okay. Being a racing driver, is, it's adrenaline-fueled, it's uh, fantastically satisfying, but uh, sometimes it can, be, it can bring you back down to earth. Um, you know, looking back at uh, Paul Ricard, um, you know, the whole weekend ended up being a bit of a blowout because of uh, that accident um, where Andre Mame was uh, killed. You know, it, it, it must still hurt quite a lot, but I mean, I suppose at the end of the day, you do have to go on as a racing driver. I mean, yeah, it's exactly like you say, you know, you have to go on. But with Andrea Mama, you know, he was my teammate and he was also a friend, you know, privately. So obviously going back to the motorhome, getting changed and seeing his shoes, his clothes there on the side, knowing that he will not return to, to collect it, it's, uh, it was kind of weird, you know, just just wouldn't think in my head, you know, that he's like not coming back and that he actually really got killed in the race. That we, uh, that I also participated in and, uh, you know, it was very unfortunate, but, you know, uh, obviously it took some days, you know, to, to actually realize what happened. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it was his time. It was destiny and obviously, um, very unexpected. And, uh, so a big shame, you know, for, for his family and friends and obviously him. But, uh, as I said, you know, it's destiny and you have to, have to get on with it. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. It's easy in, in that kind of thing to say, you know, pull a plug. But this um, Super Trofeo Lamborghini Series uh, looks to be very successful. You've got the European Series, uh, the Asian Series, and now the US Series I see has uh, just begun. And I understand there's uh, quite a strong move uh, to bring the cars uh, out to race in Cape Town. Well, that would be a future plan, definitely. But before that, now we will still have a world final end of the year, which mm. is not uh, officially published yet. But okay. What will happen in October, which will be the top four of uh, all series from European, Asian, and the US will get together and then race uh, a final world race at, uh, at was probably Valdunga in Italy, uh, which will be quite exciting and, and a first for the series. And then obviously future prospects would be hopefully expand the series, uh, maybe even to, to Africa, but I think there we still far away from that. But, uh, in terms, there are other series that are a bit more global, for instance, F1. And obviously there we're looking into trying to get it back to Cape Town. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, how, how realistic do you think that is? 
I mean, definitely it's realistic when you follow up uh, along just Bernie Ecclestone's um, interviews, you know, that he uh, held up in the past um, that, you know, he's, he's really missing a, a F1 Grand Prix in, in, on the African continent. They're racing everywhere except for the African continent, so that's something he really wants to change. And for him, the ideal spot would be in South Africa, and that would be Cape Town in his opinion. And, uh, I mean, there's a, a great following um, in the country and but even here in Europe, you know, that people come to me and ask me, hey, uh, is it happening? Uh, are you going for it? It would be a great venue. You know, everyone that saw Cape Town is a, is a big fan of it from this side. And, uh, I mean, but even local people, you know, the majority that I spoke to and I've met, they all very very keen to, to actually bring it there. So, uh, I mean, there's a big push through the uh, Cape Town uh, Grand Prix big company. And uh, I think uh, there are also investors in place already. So it's just more due to the political side, you know, to get the support as well from the government, uh, you know, to, to get the green light to actually get it started. And, of course, uh, everyone harbors ambitions of driving in F1. Uh, you know, you sort of come close, uh, chipped on the outside. You still, uh, uh, you know, keep an ear out and uh, keep tapping on the, the odd door from time to time? Well, you know, F1, it's, uh, it's, it's a top of motorsport, so definitely you're always very interested. And you keep the dream alive as long as possible, but in some ways you also need to be realistic and know, uh, you know, that you will need, you know, big backing in terms of financial support in order to enter a series like that. Talent alone will not make it unless you maybe, uh, you know, a works driver uh, in the junior program. But other than that, it's, uh, it's very difficult. But I mean, also in the GT field, I have to say I'm feeling very, very comfortable with GT cars and, you know, there's also a way to make a, a career in that line. So, and obviously, uh, it's not, or well, not all doors are shut towards F1, but I think uh, it will take, you know, quite a big uh, budget in order to realize that. Well, Adrian, thank you very much for your time. We'll um, be looking out for you, make, uh, looking forward to you finishing in that top four in Europe, uh, certainly in uh, this season, and then making a good impression in that world final. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for spending time with SAFM. Thank you for having me. So that's Adrian Zag. He's uh, currently driving a Lamborghini Gallardo LP570-4 in the Super Trofeo series. And um, there's a couple more rounds, Franck Rochamp and Nürburgring, uh, to come. And uh, he's in a slugging and out uh, for second place overall in the standings. Um, Cedric Leimer is, uh, looks like a runaway uh, winner of the pro standings. Uh, Zag and Federico De Rosa each have 54 points. Leonardo Gracci 52 and Andrea Mickey 51.